Good morning, dearly beloved souls. It is so good to be back among you. I know I've been gone for about a month up north with my family, but it's really wonderful to be with you this morning and to be able to share this, this rich feast of scripture that we have before us. I'm gonna be talking about the Old Testament and the gospel, but primarily I, we wanna to live in the lectionary today because I think if there ever was a passage from a lectionary that invited scrutiny and meditation by a community in a particular time in their journey, it is this passage from Ephesians 4 that we have before us this morning. You may wanna open back up your bulletins and take a look at it because I'm gonna be just working right through it. I believe this passage is critical for us right now because it's a passage that proclaims the unity that we have in Christ while urging us to actively seek to maintain it. It is a passage that proclaims the reconciliation we have with each other in Christ while stating in no uncertain terms that the realization of that reconciliation happens when there is humility and gentleness and patient forbearance among us and that that only can come from the power of the Spirit. The entire thesis of Paul's uh, passage here is contained in the opening verse. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing up one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Eugene Peterson's The Message gives an apt paraphrase, which perhaps gives new impact to such a well-known verse. In light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. And this translation is apt because the Greek verb translated as lead in the NRSV is literally means to walk. And it is a metaphor that Paul uses for the Christian journey throughout Ephesians 4 and Ephesians 5. For one, walk worthy of the calling which you, were, you have been called. 4.17, walk no longer as the Gentiles walk. 5.2, walk in love. 5.8, walk as children of the light. And finally, therefore, be careful how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Therefore, Paul's metaphor in this context suggests that walking needs to have a clear path and destination. And there is a clear destination in this passage, and that is our unity together and our conformity to Christ. And that we must walk on this journey in a particular way, but together. Our colic this morning prays that we don't just walk, but we run to obtain Christ's heavenly promises. We have walked a tough road these past 20 months since we heard the shocking revelations of our rector's misconduct, and it's not been an easy journey for any of us. Uh, this week, the vestry um, made a decision to post a public uh, posting um, to be more transparent in what has happened in our congregation um, in light of the allegations that come up in other churches in our community. We didn't want there to be any speculation as to what happened here, but we also wanted to be clear about the ways in which we also mishandled the situation that came up with us. 
And I think it's hard for any of us, oh, do we have to start talking about this again? I mean, I think we're a little bit like the Israelites on that in the desert, if you can identify with them. Um, here they're like, wow, we've made it past the Red Sea and we're just going on to victory now. And then all of a sudden there's this huge disappointment. This wasn't the way it was supposed to be. What, what are we doing here? It wasn't supposed to be hard. We weren't supposed to be have such deep sorrow and disappointment. And we, some of us reacted all in different ways. Some of us reacted in anger like Moses did when he struck the rock. Some of us were just bewildered. But the Lord in that passage and in the psalm, it's just amazing to me how he says, it says the Lord was angry and yet he provided for them. He rained down on them manna and provision. So it's like, that's what we need to also grasp. And I think Paul points to that in this passage. Eugene Peterson's paraphrase kind of speaks in the next verse to why it's been so hard to walk together. You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, so stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. Our road to unity, therefore, includes recovering a sense of the calling that we have as a congregation, that which we were called to, that which we are to be in the midst of our pain and our healing. Paul calls for the Ephesians to be corporately members of a body, and he uses that very rich metaphor of the body. And he opens it by speaking of the oneness of that body. He uses the word one seven times. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. And notice that this oneness isn't of a human construct. It's all the work of God created for us and is God's gift to us. Over and over again in the epistles, Paul asks his flock to abandon the social constructs that divide them and to dwell on unity. We humans tend to look in our relationships and friends for those that we think, that think like we do, who share the same opinions, who come from similar economic backgrounds, who maybe like the music we do or the way we worship or respond to social issues in the manner that we do. And that often creates factions because we forget that our primary primary identity is in Christ. We are Christians. There's no qualifier for that. We're not Republican Christians or Democrat Christians. We're Christians. So Paul is very aware, even in Ephesians, which doesn't direct any uh, big issue or crisis in the church, like say in 2 Corinthians, he still wants to warn the churches that the enemy has divisive wiles which he is ready to use and pounce upon and that this can happen to any of us even in the most loving of communities. So how have we remained united? How do we continue to remain united in this pain that we have endured together? 
Well, Paul offers the antidote in verse 7 when he says that each of us in the body are given the gift, the gift of grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. And he asserts in this kind of uh, difficult um, wording, basically that there's no greater gift than the gift of God who came down to earth to be incarnated as one of us and now fills the entire cosmos with a spirit that empowers each believer. He wants us to be aware of this great power that God has given us, that the Christ who indwells heaven and earth is the Christ that also indwells us. He is our primary gift. And the gifts that are described further on in the passage reflect diversity, but they still must be gathered around that one, that one unity that we are in Christ. However, in our identity-driven culture, the whole gifting language is also centered around people finding themselves. And inherent in this attitude is this danger of associating the finding of our gift as some sort of personal fulfillment. We need to recover the word gift and gifting and apply it first to Christ's gift of himself and his spirit who unifies us and regards our and regard our individual gifting not as ours but solely for the benefit of building each other up. Think about Paul's metaphor for the church as a body. It conveys that intimate connection that we have with Christ and each other. And together we need to draw from him our sustenance as well as recognize the need for each other in each other's gifts for that body to work the way it's supposed to work. There's no room for bystanders here. Each of us is needed by each other. The word translated as equip here is another metaphor of Paul's, and it's used only once by him in his letters, and it comes from a Greek noun, which he has turned into a verb, and the Greek noun refers to the setting of a bone, of making a bone that is broken straight. Think about it in connection with Paul's calling the community of Christ to be a body. Our gifts are given to us for healing to give healing to each other. So it doesn't have so much to do with acquiring skills or information, but aligning ourselves with the one who will make us straight, Christ. In other words, the closer one comes to the source behind the power of one's ministry, the Spirit of God, the more one's ministry can add or benefit the body of Christ. And that's why all of us need to be Sure, that we have practices in our life that will help us indwell with Christ. Practices of prayer and self-examination. So we can, God can call to us the ways that we, each of us, need to be made straight so that we can better give to each other in our community. The closer one comes to the source behind one's ministry, the Spirit of God, the more one's ministry can add or benefit the body of Christ. Or as Paul puts it, we are given gifts for the building up of the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. In other words, it's a journey. We're going to have steps that are, we're going to make missteps. We're going to fall. But we have each other 
to pick us up and heal us. So we're right back at that word unity, and that is our endpoint. That is the endpoint for us, is to be built up into this beautiful, unified body that someday will be received by Christ as his bride when we have this heavenly feast with him. But the Spirit gives us gifts, and often we want to say, oh, some of them are evangelists, some of them are prophets. But we miss the true gifts here are the gifts that the Spirit gives us of becoming humble, of, be, of being willing to let go of who we think we are and be who we are, transparent in all our faults, of being gentle, of being patient, and loving truth bearers. So let's talk about those briefly. Gentleness. Gentleness is an attitude towards each other that communicates the valuing of each person. Communicating to each other in a way that makes each other feel loved and heard, even in a conflict. Patience. We become impatient when we don't think things going our way. Let's face it. We become impatient if we're in a grocery line and it's too long and the person ahead of us has to have a price checked or something. You're like, oh my gosh, how did I get in this line? But that's because we have this personal agenda every day and we are out to do it. And God is saying, slow down, just slow down. Take a minute, take a deep breath and realize that I'm with you and I'm in control. But I think patience is fostered by developing margins. And I'm not just talking about margins of time, although those are really, really important, but patience with the ways that we fail and the way that we feel that we failed each other and extending margin then to ourselves and also extending margin to others to grow and change. Patience allows us to value other people enough to give them room to be who they are and to have whatever emotions and feelings that they have. And we may not understand them, we may not agree with them, but that's not what we're called to do. We're called to love. We're called to bear each other in love. It means no matter what happens, we bear each other's hurts and burdens, whether we perfectly understand them or not. People in the body of Christ not only care for each other, but we this idea of bearing, we carry each other. We're carrying each other over the finish line. So there was an email sent out yesterday that explained the statement the vestry has made and that, I don't know if all of you saw that in your mailboxes, but there also, most of you should have received a, Laura, a letter from Laura and Angela, who were two of the women that were harmed in what happened in the past years. Um, I think this is hard for many of us to have to open this wound back up and have to start dealing with this crisis again. But we're doing this because we need to listen to those who are still hurting, whose questions have not been answered, and who need us to simply love them. We haven't been transparent enough, and we need to begin truth-telling Truth-telling and love in the Bible have to do with keeping covenant with God and each other. It doesn't always mean the message is a nice message, 
But truth-telling ultimately tears down walls of suspicion. It tears down walls of strife and division because all must come to light in order to be healed. I think what Laura and Angela want more than anything is for us to love them, to accept them, and to not view them with suspicion, but to open them in open arms and say, we love you. We may not understand how you were hurt, but we love you and we are here for you in the long road. We are going to stay on this journey together. And I hope all of you will stay on this journey that we have together. So, segueing into our gospel message, these disciples, crowds of people coming to, what, what, what must we do to do the works of God? We might be asking, how can we be gentle? How can we be humble? Tell us, Jesus, how can we do this? And Jesus says, simply, believe in me. And the way we believe in him, he gives us a way. He shows us that our union with him is tied to the stuff of this life. He's still incarnate, and he's here with us, present and now. The great gift of our ascended Christ is that he's here with us in the bread and the wine. One commentator says, when the church following this one who is the bread of life wants to get it right, we do so at table with the eating and drinking of bread and wine. And this table, this table is what brings us in unity with each other. We've had a hard 20 months, but we've been faithful to each other. And it's demonstrated by the week, the fact that week after week, month after month, we've come here to eat together. That is the simplest and yes, most profound action we can take right now in our confusion, in our hurt, in our defensiveness, to just come to the table and let him do the hard work of healing. Let him help us to walk together. You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both inwardly and outwardly. Amen.